73% of Americans identify themselves as Christian. 73%. Okay? They also found that 35% of Americans identify themselves as born-again Christians. And they didn't say, I'm a born-again Christian. They, they affirmed this. They said, I've made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ that is still important in my life today and believe that when I die, I will go to heaven because I've confessed my sins and accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. 35% of Americans in 2016 said, yeah, I affirm that. 7% of Americans identified as evangelical Christians. So they identified as born again, the things I just said, plus these other conditions. They said their faith is very important in their life today. They said they believe they have a personal responsibility to share their religious beliefs about Christ with non-Christians. They said they believe that Satan exists. They said they believe that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life on earth. They believe that the Bible is accurate in all that it teaches. They believe that eternal salvation is possible only through grace, not works. They believe Um, or they describe God as the all-knowing, all-powerful, perfect deity who created the universe and still rules it today. Now, that list right there is not comprehensive by any stretch of the imagination. I didn't mention anything about hell or controversial things like homosexuality or anything like that. These, These are core teachings of the Bible, and I think they left out a lot of core teachings even. But only 7% of Americans say they agree with those things. But yet 73% say that they're Christian. Why the difference? I think it can be summed up in one word. Inauthenticity. People who honor Jesus with their lips, but their hearts are far from Him. They They like the idea of Christianity... And they like the idea of Jesus. Yeah, he, he's a pretty, pretty cool dude. I'll call myself a Christian, but they don't love Jesus. We, we entitled this series on 1 John, Shining Light on Authentic Christianity. I don't even like the term Christianity. But we're using it because we want to kind of reclaim that word Christianity, especially for Americans. Christianity means a Christ follower. I, I tend to just use the term follower of Jesus. Do you follow Jesus? Because it, it describes it a little more. Uh, it doesn't give 73% of people an out to say I'm Christian. Okay, John, who wrote First John, was the person closest to Jesus while he was on earth. And we learn that from the Gospel of John, which, take it for what it's worth, it's John himself saying that I'm the beloved disciple. So, take it for what it's worth. But, it's Scripture, so we're going to go with that and say that this is the guy who is closest with Jesus while he was on the earth. And in 1 John, he's writing at the end of his life. And he's been with Jesus. He literally walked with him. And then, Jesus died, rose from the dead, went back up to heaven. And John has now been leading the church. And he's ending his life and he wants to shine light on what authentic, true, real Christianity is and means. And he certainly saw enough people who play the Christian game and call themselves Christian, like many in America do today. But he heard what Jesus said 
He was right there when Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. John heard Jesus say that. And he's now lived some life leading the church and has seen it. And he longs for them to experience real Christianity, authentic Christianity, real life here on earth and for eternity. And he's also writing this book to counter false teaching that's going on in that day. So if you'll turn there with me to 1 John, starting in chapter 1, verse 1. And, and while you're turning there, I want to give a little background. So this summer we went through Galatians. Uh, and Galatians and 1 John are similar in that they both battle false teaching. Um, in Galatians, the false teaching more or less said that you have to believe in Jesus plus do good works to be saved. It's not enough just to believe in Jesus. You got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. These false teachers were trying to, to pile that up on people. And that's, that's legalism. When we say that anything more than believing in Jesus is what gets you to heaven, is what secures eternal life for you. It cheapens the work of the cross. That's, that's essentially what the false teachers of Galatia were doing. They were cheapening the work of the cross. That wasn't quite enough, you dying on the cross, Jesus. So we got to do this and this and this and this too. Now, in 1 John... The false teachers are saying, hey, you have to believe in Jesus, and that's in quotes, and I'll tell you why in a second, but you have to believe in Jesus plus receive this special knowledge to be saved. Basically, they're saying, hey, you know what? You've got a license now to sin up a storm as long as you've been enlightened. You've had this, this, this super spiritual experience where now you're, you're, you're in the in crowd, okay? And, and you... You have this special knowledge, and now it doesn't matter what you do, so you might as well just live it up. Do whatever you want. It's what we call license. These false teachers were also saying that Jesus wasn't fully human at least the whole time he was on earth. Some of them said he, he um, gave up his humanness at one point um, and, and then retained it at another point, and all different beliefs going on at that point at that time as to when Jesus was a a physical person or when wasn't he a physical person and maybe part of the time he he was here he wasn't part of the time he was okay they're battling that Jesus was wasn't fully human and they're also saying Jesus isn't fully God now the remedy to both of those false teachers in Galatia and in first John is the gospel the good news that Jesus became fully God already was fully God and became fully human while maintaining his full Godhood to do what only God could do, save sinners, and do what only a man could do, and that substitute himself for all mankind. Believing in Jesus alone saves you. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that. Very, very clearly, by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. 
But the very next verse, Ephesians 2.10, says that God has prepared good works in advance for us, that we should walk in them. So yes, it's totally by Jesus alone. That's what saves you, and that frees us from legalism. Okay, you believe in Jesus, and that is it. That's what gets you there, his work, not your work. But believing in Jesus will also then cause you to do good works. And that's what Ephesians 2.10 says. You don't have a license to do whatever you want. And I cannot think of a book of the Bible that's more applicable to America, and specifically to the American church today, than 1 John. Because we, by and large, as you can see by the stats I just shared, have a Christian community, a Christian church here in America that says, you know what? It doesn't matter how you live. And John, at the end of his life, is going, it matters very much how you live. Your works don't save you, but if you are actually a Christian, you're going to be doing good works. You can't help but do it. So are you. So, if you haven't gotten there yet, let's read 1 John chapter 1. And if you'll stand with me while we read this. I know we don't do this often, but I want to do this just to show the importance of God's word versus Matt's words, okay? So if you stand with me, we'll read 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest. And we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Chapter 2. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does not sin, or but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You can have a seat. Authentic Christianity means you continually focus on Jesus. That's essentially what the first five verses are saying here. Authentic Christianity, real Christianity, means you continually focus on Jesus, the person of Jesus, his character, who he is. How do we know this is Jesus? Look at verse 1. That which was from the beginning. Okay, it's, it's a that. How do you know that's Jesus? All right? Well, we know because in verse 1, we keep reading, that which was, was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Word of life is the key phrase there. Life 
means it's a person. A person that experiences uh, all of the senses, okay? And that you could experience them, you could hear from them, right? He said, you can, you, you, we have heard from them. So this is John saying, I've heard from this person. I have touched this person. I've seen this person with my eyes, okay? And they were from the beginning. So even right there, you can already tell this is Jesus. But in verse 2, it says this life was made manifest. And a little farther down, it was with the Father. Well, who is with the Father who then made his life manifest and known to humans? Jesus. If you're still not convinced, word of life, the, the word word is found somewhere else. The Gospel of John. So in John 1.14, which is up on the screen, and, when the, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. Here, same word there, Word, is Jesus. That's what that verse is saying. The Word is Jesus. So this Word of life is definitely Jesus. And just as, as a cool Bible study tool, if you're studying the Bible and you're like, what does this mean? I don't know. Can't really figure it out from the passage itself. Look at what else that author said. Okay, so if you're in 1 John, what else did John write? He wrote the Gospel, John. That can help us out. But the word is Jesus. And later in John, in the Gospel of John, Jesus calls himself the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, we notice here that, that John in 1 John really comes out swinging. Okay, he's swinging at these false teachers. All right, now... Um, do you ever notice that your tact and, and your ability to kind of gently set things up when, when talking to people tends to go out the window when you're passionate about something? Um, so for me, those things are the Kansas City Chiefs. It even happened this morning, I'm just realizing, before the service started with a few people in here. They brought up something and I just got all fired and all tact went out the window. I got all fired up about Kansas City Chiefs or Taco Bell. Don't ask me why, I just love that place, okay? Um, but you bring up Taco Bell and you're talking trash about it, you better believe I'm going to be in your face. So, um, love it. God bless Taco Bell. Um, anyway, these false teachers here also were saying that Jesus wasn't human because the physical is bad. So, anything physical is bad. The only thing that's good is spiritual. And John is starting out by going like, oh, Really? I touched him. I saw him. He was physical. He is physical. Jesus is fully man. So he's coming out swinging. He's fired up, you know. They brought up Taco Bell. And he's going for it right away. So we need to focus. So authentic Christianity in these five verses means that we continually focus on Jesus. And we know we're talking about Jesus here. John's all fired up. But we focus on Jesus because he is life. And we're going to see that term used throughout 1 John, and it's also used throughout the Gospel of John. That's, that's why we're convinced that the writer of 1 John is the writer of the Gospel, John, as well, because his language is, is so um, similar all across the board. But we focus on Jesus because he is life. So then, we're talking about Jesus' life. His perfect life. 
the way life was meant to be lived, the way, the way life was meant to be lived for Adam and Eve in the garden before they sinned. Je- that was Jesus' whole physical life here on earth. And today, this is life the way it's meant to be lived right now in relationship with Jesus. It says at the end of verse 4, we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And that word are, O-U-R, we're not sure if John's talking about um, John's joy, that my joy may be complete, or that anyone who's reading this, that their joy would be made complete. But let's just say it was all of them. Okay, John's writing this so you can find joy by finding life in Jesus. Authentic Christians continually drink from the fountain of life that is Jesus. Do you enjoy relationship with Jesus? Do you experience life the way it was meant to be lived in relationship with Jesus? Are you convinced that real life cannot be found in anything and anyone else except Jesus? It's also talking about a future sense of life. And that's life in eternity. That's going to be perfect and and beyond our wildest dreams. Eternal life in heaven. So we need to focus on Jesus who is life. And we also need to focus on Jesus because he is light. He's described as light here. Verse 5, this is a message we have heard from him. Proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And that's going to be a theme throughout 1 John. The rest of 1 John, he's going to describe a little bit here about um, light and what it means to, to live in the light and walk in the light. But the, basically, the rest of 1 John is saying, here's what that means. Here's what it means to walk in the light. So it's not just some um, term, some you know, term I'm using that, that's kind of ambiguous and we don't know what it means. No, he's going to describe it, the rest of this book. But first, we want to talk about what does it mean that Jesus himself is light? What does it mean that God himself is light? It means two things generally. First, that, it, that he is truth. Jesus, light, reveals what's true. And he doesn't just merely reveal what's true. He is the definition of truth. So it's not like at work, um, it's not like at work if you just had a company policy book. Okay, here's the policy book. Live it out. Go for it. Have fun. No, it's you have a boss who perfectly lives out that policy book where you can just look to your boss and go, oh yeah, that's, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. That's how you're supposed to, that's what it looks like lived out. It's not just a bunch of rules in a book. Jesus is a personal person. Makes sense. A person would be personal. But Jesus isn't just some disconnected light, ethereal light out there. He is the definition of truth. So he doesn't just know what's true. He always acts with what is true. And, and he, when it says that he is light, it's kind of like, um, well, it just means that he exposes everything that's false. He makes it clear what is true and right and good. Now, I have vivid memories growing up of a light like this. Okay, I don't know what, the, it's a flashlight thingy, I'll call it. I don't know. You guys can tell me later what it, what it is. Um, and this is a cute little picture. Um, my dad, 
was a mechanic for a while and, and still works on cars all the time, worked on cars growing up, and I don't really care for doing that sort of thing. So this picture is kind of funny because that would have never been me right there. But they got that, that flashlight thingy, okay? Now, I do know enough from watching my dad as I was sitting there waiting to play, to play catch. Okay, you're going to get done. I want to play catch, Dad, and have some real fun. You know, and he's like, this is fun, you know, with this light. But no offense. If you love that, great. Have fun. So, and you can come work on my car. But he takes it down there, and he looks, and he sees everything that's going right. You know, yeah, oh, man, the, the blinker fluid is great. And, <laughs> you know, but the transmission needs an extra something or other in it. Or I, I don't know what I'm talking about. But, um. But it just reveals, it reveals everything, whether it's right or wrong, um, it, it reveals it. And that's what it means that Jesus is the light. And God being light is actually really good news. And I know that it's probably a bit unnerving for you at first, but it brings clarity. Jesus brings clarity to life. He brings security because he knows there's no surprises with him. There's no, um, there's, there's no one, oh, surprise, something jumps out. Oh, no, there's a crazy clown. No, like everything just makes sense. He walks, he walks through life and he walks through life with us. And he's not surprised by anything because he sheds light on anything and everything that's coming, whether it's true or whether it's false. There's no surprises. He knows exactly where to go and what to do. So it also means, Jesus being light also means purity. This is moral perfection um, or holiness. He doesn't just know what's true. He knows, he, he knows what to do. And he can't do otherwise. He always does the right thing. And he can't help but do otherwise. So Jesus is light. And it's a really good thing that he is light. Even though it does expose sin and and horrible things in our own lives it is really good because the same person who exposes the the junk inside of us then walks alongside of us and helps us walk in life the way it's meant to be so it's really good that god is light authentic christianity means living in the light and now he starts talking about what that means so let's look at verse six we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness we lie and do not practice the truth if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin living in and walking in the light is what it means to be authentically Christian so here's how you live in the light verse 8 If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Basically, this is saying living in the light means continually allowing Jesus to expose sin. If you're living in the light of Christ, sin will continually be exposed in your life. You know, it's true every moment of your life, whether you are a believer in Jesus or not, that you have sin, right? Because it says here, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. So is it difficult for you to think of sins that you've committed even in this last week? 
do you think of yourself as a sinner? Do you think of yourself as sinful but not really that bad? An, an unknown quote from a Puritan um, a while ago, a few centuries ago, he said, even our tears of repentance need to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. So in Isaiah it says, our good deeds are like filthy rags. This guy is saying that it's even worse than that. Okay, so even as you're crying, you're weeping about your sin, your brokenness over your sin is even messed up and needs, needs redeemed, needs washed by the blood of Jesus. That's how sinful we are. Has the car flashlight thingy grown dim for you? You need the light of Jesus' perfection to expose you for what you are, to expose me for what I am, a messed up sinner who deserves nothing but hell. And that is true for anyone and everyone. Living in the light means continually allowing Jesus to expose sin. Living in the light, we find in verse 9, means continually confessing sin to Jesus. If we confess our sins, verse 9 says, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So this is talking about initially when you believe in Jesus. All your sins are cleansed and forgiven. You can do that today. It's very simple. See, Jesus, I messed up. I need you to save me. I need you in my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. That's it. It's believing in your heart that Jesus died and rose from the dead and confessing our sin. So this is talking about that. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So why should we continually confess our sins if all of our sins are already taken care of? We do it to receive what I like to call relational forgiveness. Relational forgiveness. So a good dad is really hurt by his kids when they disobey him. How, you know, when, when my daughter Joy, who is five, disobeys me, it hurts my heart. But I never cease to be their dad. Right? And the same is true with God, our Father. He doesn't cease to be our dad when we screw up. He's certainly hurt by it, though. And he wants relational forgiveness, relational unity happening. Just like I want joy to come to me and say she's sorry and we can hug it out and, and pray and talk through it, right? But what's confession? It says here, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's what, here's what it's not, okay? It's not just lip service. It's not Brandon, my three-year-old, who almost daily we have to make him go up to his sister because he's a little rascal, and we have to make him go up to his sister and say, hey, I'm sorry. Now he goes up and says, sorry, and then probably does something again right after it usually. But 
That is not what confession is. Okay? That's just lip service. Brandon just does that because we make him. Okay? Confession is like me with my dad when I was in college. I was a jerk to my dad in high school. And I've talked about that a little bit here before. But I, I, it was not good between us. And a lot of it was on me. I went to my dad in college. Summer before my senior year because I knew life was going to start and wanted to get things right. And I went to my dad and said, Dad, I, I screwed up majorly. And I'm sorry doesn't even seem like a fitting term. Um, it doesn't seem like enough. But, but can you forgive me? I, I want our relationship to be back on track. Have you, ever, have you ever wept over sin in your life? That's what it means to confess our sins. Heartfelt owning of how we have hurt God. You also have to have a genuine intent to not do it again. Why would I go to my dad and say, Hey, Dad, I'm, I'm really sorry for that. And then turn around and do the same junk I did to him in high school. Wouldn't make any sense. The Bible uses the w- word repentance. And here this word confession is along the same lines. It's not that different from confession. Has the light of Christ grown dim in your heart? If sin is exposed, do you then confess it to God? See, the same light that exposes sin wants to guide us in fixing it. Okay, so um, for going back to the light example, if my dad found something wrong with the car when he had the flashlight thingy, okay, it would be ridiculous of him to find what's wrong. Um, let's go with the blink lighter. Bleh, I can't even say it. Uh, the blinker fluid, uh, which is a thing for sure. Um, Let's say he discovers that and then just decides to go back and sit on the couch and go, yeah, whatever, who cares? Not a big deal. All right, my mom's going to be pretty mad because the blinkers don't work. Um, But no, what he would then do is take our other car, and if it was the middle of the night or just sometime when it's dark, he would turn the headlights on. And so Jesus doesn't just expose sin. He then guides us. His light is a guiding light. Just like it says in the Old Testament that His Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So it's not just there to expose things. It's there to help us walk forward in light. He helps us walk that road of confession. It doesn't just point out sin. Living in light, living in the light is also going to be really messy and you're not going to be perfect. That's what verse 10 says next. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Basically, he says the same thing he did in verse 8. So he's saying, hey, just in case you thought for a second that you could be perfect, you can't. And he makes it even stronger. Right? He, said, he says here that God is a liar. If you say that you are without sin, God is a liar. God's character is on the line. That's how convinced John is that every single person is a sinner and continues to sin. I want to show you a chart uh, called the cross chart. 
Um, Bob Thune came up with this. I'm not going to take credit. But as we have an increasing, increasing awareness... Oh, that, that turned out really pixelated. I'm sorry. My bad. Um, as we have a, um, a growing awareness of God's holiness, His purity, His light that exposes things, right? As we, as we get to know how great and amazing Jesus is, and as we grow in our awareness of our own sinfulness, the cross becomes more dear to us because we see that we are so in need of Jesus. And that leads us to chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Authentic Christianity means continual focus on Jesus' work. Continual focus on Jesus' work. Our primary focus cannot be on our sin. John's strong desire for the people he's writing to, is that they would not sin. He says this, I'm writing so that you would not sin. Don't screw it up. But then he says, but if anyone does sin, right, he affirms again that we all sin and will sin. You're going to screw it up. So sin can't be the focus. Our focus needs to be on Jesus' work. You know, it's pretty hard to sin when we're focused on the one who paid for our sin, Jesus. We need to have a continual focus on Jesus. It says He's our advocate. That means He pleads our case. This is a legal term. It's like if you went to court and you had a defense attorney and you knew you were guilty and everyone knew you were guilty, but your defense attorney decided, you know what? He can have my record. And that's what I'm going to defend. I'm going to defend my own record. That's what Jesus does. That's what it means that He's our advocate. He's won the case. And He's won it because of the cross. He's won it because of this big word in here, propitiation. Big word, it just means that Jesus took the wrath of God for us. He took care of the anger and wrath that God rightfully had for sin in our lives. Took that on Himself. Took that pain for us. That's why we know He's going to win the case. He's our advocate. He's for us. He is not against us. So authentic Christians continually are amazed by Jesus' work on the cross. Are you so fixated on the cross that you're naturally sinning less and less? Are you so fixated on the cross that you're naturally confessing your sin more and more and more? You know, I love this phrase, fruit happens. Okay? Think about an apple tree. If an apple tree isn't producing apples, it either isn't actually an apple tree or it needs more sunlight or water or nutrients, fertilizer. Okay? It would be really ridiculous and stupid of you to take a bunch of apples and go duct tape them to a tree if it wasn't producing apples. Makes no sense at all. Okay? Now, here's the thing. If a Christian isn't living in the light, And we're going to see more what that looks like. But here, John says, living in the light means allowing Jesus to expose our sin and then confessing our sin to Jesus. If those things aren't in our life, we either aren't Christians or we need the water 
the nutrients of the person and work of Jesus Christ. We need to focus more on Jesus. Not start trying harder, but start focusing more intently on the person and work of Jesus. And the more we focus on Jesus and what he is and what he has done, the more we will start to live authentically Christian lives. Let's pray. God, thank you for the cross. It's so freeing to hear twice from John that, that I am a sinner and I'm going to continually sin. But God, I pray that, that we would not leave it there. That we would live life the way you, it was meant to be lived and live a life that's constantly being, being exposed. We'd be constantly aware of the sin in our hearts and confess it to you and find such freedom and healing. Thank you, Jesus, for this promise, God, at the end of this section, Lord. This promise that, hey, if you do sin, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. It's your precious name we pray. Amen.